We are outdoor ladies who hunt, shoot, and fish, all while working in conservation and chasing kids. I am Julia Plugge with the Nebraska Game and Parks Commission. I'm Rachel Alice with the Iowa Department of Natural Resources. I am Megan Weiskup with the Iowa Department of Natural Resources. And I'm Tana Fancher with the Kansas Department of Wildlife, Parks, and Tourism. Follow us on our outdoor adventures. Welcome back to She Goes Outdoors. I'm Rachel Alice with the Iowa DNR. And today, it's just Julia with me from Nebraska Game and Parks. Hello. So over the last two weeks, we've had the chance to hear all about Nebraska State Parks, Nebraska, Nebraska, Nebraska. And we got to hear about Wildcat Hills, which is amazing. And I truly am going to alter our Wyoming trip so that we can go see it because it just it's it looks so beautiful. It's hard to believe. I think we say this a lot in the Midwest. It's hard to believe that that's actually in Nebraska. I I, I feel like a lot of people say that same thing about Iowa. Weather's warming up. Memorial Day is just around the corner. Schools are almost out. And I think like everyone else in the world, we're itching to get out and go explore. Um, Here in Iowa, we were lucky last year, we celebrated our centennial. So 100 years of state parks in Iowa. Uh, Today with us, I have Jessica Mankin and Julie Tack with the Iowa DNR. And before we really jump into the Iowa State Parks, I want uh, you to take a minute and introduce yourselves. We love our listeners to really get to know who's on the call with us and kind of a little bit of their background and how they got into natural resources and, and working in this world. So we'll start with you, Jessica. Hi, everybody. My name is Jessica Mankin. Um, I've always had a passion for the outdoors and working for the DNR was always a goal of mine. When I was in college, I went to Iowa State University, um, located in Ames, Iowa. I started working for the DNR as a seasonal in our wildlife bureau, um, and then I was hired on as a full-time natural resources technician one. I have worked in the Parks and Forest and Preserves Bureau for almost seven years now. I manage and oversee the State Park Reservation System, and I am the Guest Services and Reservation System Manager. Awesome. Thanks again for being with us. And Julie. Yes, thank you. Hi there. Hi, I'm Julie Tack, and I am a Communications Specialist with the Iowa DNR, and I have been with the DNR for more than 20 years. I am one of those people that didn't necessarily grow up spending time in places like state parks and hunting and fishing but came into it as an adult, have had, because of my work with the DNR, have been able to introduce my own family and my kids to outdoor spaces and outdoor pursuits. So it's been um, a really fun journey for me to be able to grow my interest and have a career in this field. So we're excited to talk to you today about state parks and all they have to offer. Thank you again, both of you, for joining this morning. Um, So 101 years later, right? We, we've had our centennial last year and, and with COVID naturally it put a kibosh on a lot of things, but we still made it. We made it a hundred years and now we're celebrating our 101st year. Iowa DNR manages 72 areas within the park system and they're split into three different areas. A couple of weeks ago, we learned about Nebraska's, how they kind of differentiate their different areas. 
and they have state historical areas, which I thought was really cool, which, which we don't. So we have state parks, we have state rec areas, and state forest. Either of you want to take a stab as to what the difference is there between the, the classifications? So most of them, they do offer the outdoor activities, just camping, hiking, hunting, and fishing. Uh, the main difference between a state park and a state recreation area and a state forest is that a state park, excuse me, closes at 10.30 p.m. and reopens at 4 a.m. Another difference is that state parks does not allow hunting unless there is like a, a managed deer hunt that is organized through the DNR. Um, you cannot camp wherever you wish. It is uh, required that you camp in a, in a designated campground or on a, on a primitive site. So those are kind of the, the main differences um, to keep in mind between the three different areas that we have. Shout out to our listeners that we are in our 100 years of Nebraska, state parks in Nebraska. And like just mentioned in our previous question, you know, that was Iowa's last year. Iowa celebrated your 100 years. You know, in 1920, Woodrow Wilson was the president. My understanding that Backbone State Park was dedicated as Iowa's first state park. Like, so cool. To celebrate, Iowa DNR is launching the 2021 Iowa Parks Passport. So Julie, can you tell us about this program? Can my family or anybody get involved? Uh, Do you have to be a resident of Iowa? Uh, Tell us more about this, Julie. Absolutely. I'd love to share with you about the Parks Passport. And just as background, um, last year to celebrate our 100th anniversary of State Parks, We had lots of really exciting plans to have events and festivals and all sorts of things to get people to the parks and then COVID hit. And um, instead of being able to do group events, what we discovered is people in droves wanted to visit our state parks and be outside, but they still needed to be careful and kind of socially distanced from each other. And we were very, very lucky to have sort of this program project happen, a partnership with our um, tourism office, Travel Iowa, where they approached us about the idea of creating a digital passport that people could then uh, sign up for on their phones, have it be almost like an app on their phone, and then they could use that passport to do check-ins at different state parks and win prizes along the way. And in 2020, it was so popular. We had we had prizes that ran out in the first week that we offered the promotion and offered the passport. So because of that, we said, yes, of course, let's do this again in 2021. We're really excited to launch it. It's launching actually this week. People go to iowadnr.gov slash state parks they will find the place where they can sign up. And basically, if you go to that, it'll give a little description and a link to be able to get yourself signed up just by providing your name and your email address or your and your phone number. You can get it set up on your phone. And then basically, the passport is digital. It's not paper. Basically, it lists every state park that we have participating. We have 62 of our 72 state parks listed on there and forests. Take that passport and take your phone and get in the car, visit these state parks, enjoy them. Um, When you go, you can check in. It 
will prompt you to check in when you get to the park. The more check-ins that you have, the more prizes that you can win. And so basically, if you, the first prize level that we have is if you check into 10 parks, you are eligible to win a t-shirt. And so the first 1,000 people to check into 10 parks will, will get a t-shirt. If you check into 30 parks, um, you'll be eligible to win one of four Fitbits. We have monthly check-ins. And if you check into a park during a particular month, we will have a prize drawing for everybody that checked in. And we have five different months, June through October, and the prizes are really awesome. Um, in June, we're giving away a paddleboard and water sport accessories. In July, we're giving away camping tent and accessories. In August, a hammock and picnic accessories. In September, a Yeti cooler set. And in October, a $500 Bass Pro Shops gift card. If you visit a park in any of those months, you will automatically be entered into each of those drawings. I'm going to be jumping the board. <laughs> Wowzers, that is amazing. And our prizes were generously donated by AARP of Iowa. They partnered with us this year. And they are very excited to share state parks with the people that they that they work with as far as a, a healthy way to get outside, something that's easily accessible for anybody, um, no matter what your age or your abilities. So we're, we're really excited to have them as a partner. That is an, a great incentive to to get out there and I don't feeding off that geofencing I guess is what they call it uh, that that's feeding to your phone through the GPS systems and then just hitting I was here and then be able to track that all summer long and get that long list of yeah I saw all these cool spots and I just the opportunity that now they're going to be seeing all those parks how cool and then a prize on top of that that's right. Last year, it was so popular. We had more than 60 people who visited every single state park that was on the passport. They went to 62 different places. So we're super excited to bring it back this year. And we also have a very cool theme, which is open road, endless adventures. So one of the things that um, Travel Iowa has discovered is people are ready to get out of their houses and go visit. And so these local trips nearby to state parks are, are a wonderful way to have an adventure and still be somewhat close to home. So we're super excited to have the passport be something that people can enjoy this year. You know, I just seen on the uh, national news the other day that growing trend to find these hidden spots, local spots that we didn't know about, that it's the growing trend to find these new spots, not that are kind of a smaller, similar to like our state parks, rather than going to those, these major destinations. And right here, like our parks, your state parks, spots that we should take our time to visit. Piggybacking off that, Julia, um, I have two thoughts. First, it's amazing what you'll do for a shirt or the chance to possibly win a free t-shirt. I, I know you, I, I know that we say challenge and you say accepted and, and game on. So that's my, my thought of got to have me a t-shirt kind of to, to piggyback off of what you're saying on the national news that we wanted to talk about a couple different places around Iowa to really get started, to, to kick off the passport, to throw the challenge out there, to get out of your house and go explore. Um, one of my favorites, I think is unknown, but I've been looking on social media lately and discovered that maybe it's 
far better known than I want to admit to, but Red Haw State Park is just south of Des Moines. Um, so for those of you that aren't from Iowa, it's just a short drive from the center of the state. Bonnie down there it runs such an amazing park. And especially in the spring when the Red Haw uh, trees are flowering, it is like the most beautiful purpley pink just I don't know, explosion around a lake. It is one of the prettiest places I've ever seen. Jessica, do you want to talk a little bit more about Red Haw State Park? Well, it's funny that you say that because I just went to Red Haw State Park for the first time about three weeks ago. I had always heard about the red buds, the red haw trees, and just wanted to see it before, before they, you know, went away for the season. And you're right, it is an incredible thing to see. There's beautiful, Red Hot is a really pretty lake that those red buds kind of surround and provide a backdrop to. But also as you're driving through the park, there's places where those red buds create almost like a canopy, almost like a tunnel as you're driving through. It is absolutely gorgeous. Definitely a hidden gem in our state park system that people should put on their list because there's places to picnic. There's old CCC um, era lodge buildings and shelters. It, it has a little bit of everything. It's quiet and a great place to take your family. And kind of on that quiet, that their lake is a no wake lake. So it is like a kayaker's dream destination. And I'm, I'm excited to also mention that there is an ADA accessible kayak launcher on the lake. So we talked a little bit about accessibility and really anyone getting out and encouraging people to, to get on the park, out to the parks. Um, that's just another way that we're really trying to accommodate anybody and everybody to get out and enjoy it. It's amazing. And, and I, I challenge anyone that's listening from, from central Iowa to get down there before the red buds kind of lose their true glory. Yeah, it's a, it's a great park. To, it's a hidden gem in a way. It's an underutilized park. So if you're looking for a place to go that there's not a full campground all of the time, it, another good reason to to go check out that park and take your family there. Um, we renovated the electricity there a couple years ago. Um, so it's just kind of one of those parks to go and, and stay at and, and not have a full campground if you're kind of looking for that more just kind of peaceful, relaxing stay. Last week was our part two of this series that we're talking about, the state parks. And you know, we talked about Nebraska's wild Cat Hill State Recreation kind of being our hidden gem or one of the many hidden gems that we have in Nebraska. Rachel was just amazed by the the landscapes of this beautiful park. I'm pretty sure we have her uh, sold on visiting this park, even though she at the beginning went Nebraska, Nebraska, Nebraska. So it's <laughs> Iowa's turn to, bl- <laughs> to shine now. So I want to have you ladies spotlight another hidden gem that or a park that just has an amazing scenic views similar to our Wildcat Hills. And I want to spotlight an amazing spot on the western slope of Iowa, Less Hill State Forest. And even just kind of saying the Less Hill State Forest forest kind of rings a bell as in it may sound very similar to our wildcat hills. Will you tell us more about that? Well, Les Hills State Forest is one of our 
really beautiful destinations if you really want a rustic experience. There's there's a few things about Les Hills that people will enjoy. One of them is if you've heard about the Les Hills, then you know that it's one of the rare um, geological, it's a rare geological um, formation where it only exists in two places in the world, in China and on the western side of western border of Iowa. The ridge spans um, from the north all the way down to the south. So we actually have a few state parks and forests in that zone, Stone, Les Hills, and Wabanzi come to mind. So that you have a lot of options if you want to experience the Les Hills. The forest is comprised of more than 11,000 acres in some different patches on that western border. The heart of the forest in terms of kind of where to get started would be in the small town of Pisgah. And it's off of I-29, easy to find. And we actually have a visitor center for the Les Hills, which is a great starting point. Um, they have maps, they have people that can talk about it. They have some displays that you can see as well to really have a better understanding of the Les Hills and the forests that are there. We also have a very small but unique state park that's connected to the Les Hill State Forest called Preparation Canyon State Park. Very rustic. It's one of our very few state parks that has backpack camping or, you know, like hike in camping. That is, it's a hike and people love it, that love to do that. It's a great experience. Um, one thing that's really cool about Prep Canyon is it originally was a spot on the Mormon track when it's a, so it's a historical site as well, where the Mormons had settled, created a settlement called Preparation, the town of Preparation in that area. And it really, nothing really exists anymore except for the site. And so that particular little state park is at that historic site. So it's kind of an interesting, an interesting add-on as far as going to visit that area. And then also I would just say that really close to Preparation Canyon is a scenic overlook in the Last Hill State Forest that people, it's a good destination and a great way to see those incredible views where you're standing on a platform and you can see for miles and miles across the prairie. You can, you can look to, um, in that particular spot, you can look to the east and to the south and north and see the rolling less hills. And then you can look out to the west and see the flats of Nebraska. It's a really gorgeous place to go. And I would just say there's lots of hiking trails. Bring your sturdy boots because that less hills um, dirt can be a little bit loose and sandy, but you're going to get a rustic experience that you aren't going to have in many other places across the state. Our listeners that are not familiar with exactly where this park is located because you mentioned being able to see the flats of Nebraska. Uh, so it tells me that it's probably on your western edge of the state. Can you give me that a close or a big city that it might be to give our uh, listeners an idea? Is it north of Council Bluffs? Yes, it's north okay. of Council Bluffs. Like if you are traveling on I-80 and you turn north onto I-29 from I-80, it's just okay. a few miles from that intersection. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, it's it's right on the western border of, of Iowa. 
super easy to you know, for our Nebraska listeners to visit. And who knew that? Because she says the flats in Nebraska basically butts right up to this beautiful scenic cool and then it's it's neat that you have this visitor center to learn about the the park and I assume the development of it and a historical piece to it as well you know we get get calls all the time from users that are looking for that that different experience and this is one of the places that that I recommend that they go Um, like Julie had mentioned earlier we have these primitive hiking sites, which is a completely different experience, a whole different thing than, your, than you experience in, in a campground with people right next to you. You get that feeling of I'm, a, I'm away from, you know, city life. I'm away from everything else. I can unplug. Um, so this is one of the areas that I do recommend that people go to and check out. Now, like we alluded to earlier, you know, it, it does take a little bit of hiking to get into these. There's 10 of them, 10 um, hiking primitive sites. But if that's, you know, what you're looking for, something different, it's it's a spectacular experience those, to check those sites out. Now, there's it's kind of a first come, first serve. So there's no making a reservation for these primitive sites. You just you you pack up your stuff, you put on your backpack and you hike out there and you just have to see if, if somebody else is already occupying it. But like, as I mentioned, there are 10 of them out there. So if you run into our our forester, um, they could possibly tell you if they know if somebody is occupying that site. But otherwise, it's you got to go out there and just check it out for yourself and and pick which site you like. Is there a fee to your your sites no. at all? Cool. No. no, no fee at all. That's great. You learn something new every day, Julia. I would have bet money that there was because any site like that, when you head west, keep going through Nebraska. Once you get out to Colorado, Wyoming, any of those, a lot of their primitive sites, their state park primitive sites are still, you have to pay for, unlike some of the Forest Service and BLM land, which is free. So I would have certainly lost money on that bet, but uh, thinking that they were like any other state park campsite. So that's amazing. Oh, and I was going to add one thing. In COVID days, so many people were going out and trying hiking and backpacking and and doing those experiences for the first time. And if you're still wanting to explore that, it seems like this is the location uh, that may be a second step in the process of learning to prepare yourself to go even on a bigger adventure. You know, like Nebraska has Indian Cave State Park that is a hike in to camp, maybe even a step below like your level one. And then you could go to Lust Park as your step two to train yourself before you could go even further. So how cool. I mean, it's something like 11,000 acres of land to, to explore. So it's within that, the Lust Hills range is just an amazing, amazing access area for not only Iowans, but central United States folk. So um, another one that I would like to talk about um, is another kind of unknown gem, if you will, and that is Nine Eagles State Park. So we're going back to central Iowa, but we're going way, way, way down to the Missouri border. And um, just wanted to talk a little bit about possibly one of Iowa's most picturesque state parks. Do either of you want to talk about that park and nine eagles is kind of our other underutilized um state parks that it's just kind of one of those areas that people don't they forget it's there but it's it's a fantastic park to visit there's a couple different campgrounds we offer non-equestrian and equestrian campgrounds there so and what that means is like you don't necessarily have to have 
a horse to camp in an equestrian campground, but we do have equestrian campgrounds there. So if you want to bring your horses and ride the trails and stay overnight in the campground, then you would stay in um, an equestrian campground. Also there at Nine Eagles, there is one cabin there that's open three quarters of the year. It's a one bedroom cabin. So that's kind of another neat experience that if you're not into camping and you kind of want to have a little bit more of a comfort with your stay, you can stay in, in the cabin that has heat and air conditioning and, and, and a kitchen and modern facilities. Uh, there's also shelters there at Nine Eagles and a beach. Um, it's Yeah, so there's a lot of hiking opportunities, different user group there with like the equestrian opportunities. And it's just one of those those nice places to just to put the, the, the fishing pole in the, lot, in the water and try and catch some fish. Because I've heard that, you know, people that go down there, they don't, they realize, oh, wow, there, I had some luck down there this, this weekend. And so it's kind of one of those places where it's not necessarily overfished a lot. And it's not a crowded to try and get your boat in the water or, you know, to fight a crowd. So it's kind of one of those places I just, if you want to get away from everything, that's the place to go check out. So as I mentioned um, in the previous question, kind of touching back on the pandemic and how lifestyles changed, uh, activities that we were seeking, for instance, like open spaces to explore, get away from people, and the parks were very popular for that. There have been some upgrades and improvements all over, you know, Iowa. Jessica, could you tell us about a couple parks that recently reopened in central and eastern Iowa? Sure, I would love to. So one park that, um, that recently reopened and the, the park was open, it was just uh, the, the caves were closed. Um, and so by saying caves, that's going to trigger Makokota Cave State Park. And that's an extremely popular uh, destination park that we have. Definitely a gem um, that we that we like to highlight and, and send people to go check those out, that, those, those caves out. There's uh, about 13 different caves available in that in that state park. And so with the pandemic last year, uh, we had to close the caves because we could not um, guarantee there'd be social distancing occurring during the pandemic. But however, this year we were able to re to reopen the caves. I was just recently up there earlier month um, and I went up on a Thursday and there was a lot of vehicles up there, a lot of visitors. Um, and so with the popularity of, of this particular park, we um, tried to, to get the messaging out to our visitors to to plan to plan your visit. Don't go at peak times on the weekend. So we we consider the peak times about eleven in the morning till about three three in the afternoon. So if you do plan on going to the state park on the weekends during those between that time of eleven a.m. and three p.m., definitely um, you can guarantee that there's going to be a lot of vehicles there. It might be difficult to, to find a parking spot. And so if you can kind of plan your, your trip to come earlier in the day or later in the day, or even if you can come during the week, that would that would be better because we have people coming from all over the state, surrounding states, and all over the U.S. that come in that Makoko to Cave State Park draws people in. So that that is one park that um, has reopened this year. Uh, another one would be at Palisades Kepler. State Park, which is in like eastern Iowa, Mount Vernon area, just out um, east of Cedar Rapids. And that park was hit, um, unfortunately, by the August 2020 derecho. And so that was closed um, shortly after or that day of after the derecho, where it was one of the worst hit parks that we had. 
we had nine state parks total that were hit by the derecho. And as I mentioned, Palisades Kepler got, got the worst of it, unfortunately. So after several months um, of removing damaged trees and downed limbs and clearing other debris, uh, the state park was finally deemed safe to reopen. And it reopened last month. Um, and we were getting calls all of the time from, from people wanting to know, when is this park going to reopen? So we we're very excited to be able to open the doors for people to to start making reservations again. We had closures on all of our campsites. There's cabins there, beautiful CCC, uh, day use lodge and shelters. So we had everything closed um, after that derecho hit. Uh, the one thing that's left to, still to repair is the lodge, which should be fixed by, by this fall. We had some roof damage um, that occurred there. Also in front of the lodge, we had the concrete that got pulled up by when the trees came down, the concrete went with it. Uh, so we are still um, needing to repair that facility, but otherwise the park is open for hiking, day use, camping reservations. So that was an exciting step to, to finally close that door from the derecho, or almost close the door, I should say, because since the lodge still needs to be fixed, but we didn't want to hold up opening that park just for for that facility. Oh, I say our venues are absolutely gorgeous, but it's so sad to see when Mother Nature makes a dent, the opportunity for the public to view. And, you know, it happens here in Nebraska, it certainly happens in Kansas as well, that, you know, we're still fixing parks because of the massive floods that we had a few years ago, or yeah. storms that come through. And we just remind our visitors that yep this is a gorgeous place but give us time and patience so that we can make it safe and beautiful again for you to return and yeah, for those right. that aren't from Iowa and maybe don't know what the derecho was it was we had wind gusts that were gusting for more than what was it 70 miles an hour for a better part of an hour through a good chunk of central and eastern Iowa. And then they even had wind speeds clock over 110 mile an hour. So that Cedar Rapids area just got was probably the hardest hit. Unfortunately, Palisades Kepler really took a pretty good brunt of it. So super excited to hear that that we're back open and waiting yeah. anxiously for, for guests and visitors. It was definitely a team effort with just everybody in the DNR pulled together. We had other bureaus coming in, helping, chainsawing, clearing trees. Um, you know, nearby parks came in to help, to try to do as much as we could to try and get that park open as soon as we could. Um, now, granted, there were hazardous trees that were unsafe or we didn't have the, the proper equipment to, to take care of them. So those are the kinds of things that just takes time because like, as, as safety is our number one priority. We want to make sure our visitors are going to be safe. So we did everything that we could as soon as we could to, to be able to open that park back up. Um, so another another park that we've recently reopened actually on May, May 3rd of, of this year would be, would be Pine Lake State Park, which is located in Eldora. It's in north central Iowa. This park is a historic CCC park that we had the campground closed since last August. And the reason for that was we were renovating the campground. It got new shower buildings, restroom facilities that are ADA accessible. And we also looked at the campsites in that, in that campground. So we had 120 campsites before the renovation, and we went down to 76 campsites. 
Now, the reasoning for that was when we go in and do a campground renovation, um, we look at one, of course, we want to upgrade the electricity to at least a 50 amp electrical service. Also, we also look at the, the compaction, how close that campsites are together. Travel trailers and RVs continuing to get larger and bigger. Our smaller campgrounds can't necessarily always accommodate um, these bigger camping units anymore. So we want to look at eliminating sites, you know, maybe in between just to give a little bit more bigger open space for our visitors. Um, and like for myself, like if I want to go camping, I want to have enough green space so we can do some yard games. You can have different things set up um, if you're, for your kids to play. So those kinds of things is what we look at. And that's what we did here at Pine Lake State Park. That's why we went down from, a, from 120 campsites to 76. Um, so that campground opened, like I said, on May 3rd uh, of this year. People were super excited. You know, whenever we close down the park, uh, people have their favorite, their favorites. And then when it's closed down, they can't wait for it, for it to reopen. It's like Christmas morning, you know, it's like, I can't wait to, to, to open, to come through the doors or come through the gates and, and check out what you guys have done and, and get my spot reserved and, and spend the weekend with my family and friends. So also with, with that project, with the campground renovation, we also have four year round CCC cabins at Pine Lake. So with the campground project, we also took those cabins and renovated them. The kitchens and the bathrooms got redone. They are actually going to open up June 4th. So in a couple weeks, those cabins um, will be open. Uh, we already have reservations all summer long. Um, so people were also excited to, to be able to book those cabins. Um, and so we have our first ones coming in June 4th. Uh, the, all four of them are booked, so go on and make a reservation to see what's available. But those those cabins are extremely popular. They kind of got a little unique experience with those. So they're right along the river, uh, and you can't just pull up your, your vehicle right in front of the cabin like you would think, you know, if you're renting a cabin in another state park. So what we provide is a, a wagon, so people can use this wagon to haul in their luggage, their coolers, food, whatever they're going to bring in with them. So you kind of have this almost setback experience where you're just not right, like in a parking lot area, like where your vehicle's right in front. So it provides a different experience for customers that can kind of just get away a little bit more. Uh, these also have um, working fireplaces. So they're very popular in the winter months where people can kind of just take a weekend and get away, sit around the fire, uh, roast some marshmallows, you know, and have that kind of experience too. So I can't wait to go up. I haven't seen the finished product yet for these cabins, but that's something on my list for sure to, to go check out. So those are something that I definitely encourage everybody to to check out and go make a reservation and, and stay in these new renovated cabins. All right. So we talked a little bit about Red Hall, Lust Hills, Nine Eagles, Makokota Caves, Palisades Kepler, Pine Lake, if people want to start their adventure to, to discover Iowa State Parks, where should they start and, and how can they get into the reservation systems? Before we get to that, because I yeah. want Jessica to talk about that, yeah. the first step that we would encourage people to do, because like me as a mom, I want to be able to plan my visit in Website. advance. And if you go to cool. iowadnr.gov slash state parks, 
We're really excited because we have recently in the last year refreshed all of our state park pages. So you will find on those pages a description of the park, photo galleries for every park, um, maps, and we also have a section called plan your visit. So it gives you a highlight of exactly what you're going to expect, what you're going to see when you visit uh, that particular state park. They're all a little bit different. They all have, you know, we have historic sites in some of our parks, geological formations. Some are great lake recreation destinations. So if you go to those web pages, those individual web pages for each park, you're going to find exactly the kinds of amenities that will interest you most. And segue to Jessica, every park page has a link to the reservation page um, for that park. So Jessica, if you want to talk about reservations, that's awesome. Sure. So we have a centralized reservation system uh, for the state parks, preserves, and forest bureau. Um, it provides convenience um, and for our customers, they can make a reservation 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There are site photos and also site amenities that we provide to help people make the decision on what site best suits their needs. So we can have up to six photos per site. So for our facility rentals, we try and provide as many photos as we can up to six. You know, we want to get outdoor photos. We want to get the indoor photos. And a lot of people, they want to see what the bathroom looks like. So we try and represent um, these facilities and sites the best we can with having up to up to six photos per site. Currently, our, our campsites range from being 50% to 100% reservable, where the remainder of those sites are then considered walk-in sites. There is a three-month reservation window uh, to make a campsite reservation, and there's a 12-month reservation window if you want to make a facility reservation. And by a facility reservation, I mean the shelters, the, the day-use lodges, and our, and our cabins. There is a high demand in previous years, and then especially now this year with after the pandemic, we're seeing record numbers of reservations being made. So it's highly recommended that you plan ahead and, and book a site as early as possible. I'm gonna go into a little bit more detail on the, on the walk-in sites. So if you're interested in, in, in occupying a walk-in site, process for that is there's a, a, a check-in building uh, at the entrance of the campgrounds. So within that check-in building, there's what we call an Iron Ranger, which is a metal tube that you uh, put your money into that metal tube to pay for the site that you're wanting. We have campsite registration forms that you fill out with your name, what site number you're wanting, how many people are gonna occupy that site. You fill that out, you put the money that's due for that site for how many nights you're going to stay and you can stay up to 14 nights and you put that in the Iron Ranger and you uh, take another part of that registration form and you rip that off and you put that into the campsite post. So once you've done that, you've paid for your site and you have that slip in the campsite post, it's considered occupied. We do not require any type of personal items like a camper, a camping chair, uh, a cooler, we don't require any personal items to be on that site. We do recommend it, however, because it is kind of one of those eye-catching um, to help other people that are going through the campground to try and figure out what campsites are available. It kind of helps, oh, there's a tent on that site. But as long as 
it's paid for and that slip is in the post, it's considered yours whether you are occupying that site or not. Uh, so we, like I mentioned we have reservable sites too. So we have a revolving reservation window. So you can make a campsite reservation up to two days in advance. The only exception to that right now is at Makoka de Cave State Park where we have same day reservations there. So with that revolving reservation window, once the window closes on the reservation system, you can occupy a reservable site on a night to night basis. So that's kind of a quick rundown on, on how the camping works with you know the reservation system and then also with our with our walk-in camp and that's kind of pretty much the the quick rundown uh, of the reservation system it's we've had it since 2006 uh, and so all of our campsites are on the reservation system whether they're reservable or not we want them to be available so people can see exactly the layout of each campground um, so they're all available on the reservation system um, all of our facilities um, are available as well. There are a few like shelters that um, are not reservable, but they are at least on the site. So you know that's something that when you go to the park, then you can occupy that um, without having to pay for it. So. I, when we were talking about Nebraska's parks, we talked a lot about the venues that have cabins. Does Iowa's parks, and I think we mentioned a little bit throughout this conversation, are there many parks um, across Iowa that have cabins that are reservable? And, you know, are they all the rustic, if so? Or what? if I'm looking for a cabin because I'm, I'm not one to sleep on the ground and I don't have a camper, you know, what parks, or if any, can I stay at? Sure. So right now we have 94 cabins in our state park system. And there are 20 different parks that have cabins. So they're th all throughout the state. Then, um, as you asked about what kind of cabins that we have to offer. So we have like seven different types ranging from like a two story modern cabin, like at Backbone State Park, or it goes all the way down to a camping cabin um, or a yurt, which is at McIntosh Woods in, in Northern Northwest Iowa. Camping cabins are kind of that, that unique in-between where it's not camping, where you're laying on the ground or sleeping in a tent, and it's not like a modern cabin where you got running water and a bathroom. So camping cabins, you got the air conditioning, you got the heat, you have a bed or like a futon, um, a microwave, but there's no running water or no modern facilities um, in a camping cabin. Those that reserve a camping cabin, they do have access to use the, the facilities, the bathroom facilities and shower facilities in the nearby campground. So you still have access to take a shower. Um, and usually if the showering facilities are not close by, there's at least a pit latrine right there in the, in the cabin area. So there is a form of a bathroom there, but not necessarily always a modern bathroom. Um, so those are really popular because that in between where they kind of want to kind of be a little rustic, but still kind of have those common comforts that some of us, you know, we like now I'm like, well, I want my air conditioning. I want to, I want to be able to sleep comfortably. So those are extremely popular. Um, we have those all across the state, you know, just to highlight where some of them are. Uh, there's some at Green Valley, Prairie Rose, Pleasant Creek, Honey Creek State Park. 
there's some all over the place. So when you search for cabins on a reservation system, it's going to bring you up all of the the parks that have cabins and you can narrow it down by by kind of what you're what you're looking for. I remember being six months pregnant and having a two year old and staying in, in a um, camper cabin and loved it because at six months pregnant, I didn't want to drag out a tent and deal with all that. It was like middle of August, didn't sound comfortable at all, but I didn't like one, it wasn't in my budget to be in a larger cabin. And two, that just wasn't the experience that my family wanted. And so my entire family enjoyed the camper cabin. So love those opportunities. And, you know, we have those in Nebraska as well. If you're looking for um, a, a different kind of experience in our state park system, we also have Honey Creek Resort, which is a little bit separate from everything Jessica has been talking about in that they have their own way to reserve. But Honey Creek Resort is located on Rathbun Lake in Southern Iowa. It has a hotel style lodge, conference center, restaurant, 18 hole golf course, and 28 cottages. It has an indoor water park. And it actually, one of the big draws of the last two summers is an aqua park on the lake, which is basically a giant bounce house type of structure where you can do like an obstacle course type of kids of all ages. Absolutely love it. Um, there's a marina. You can, you can rent boats, you can rent kayaks, there's free bike rentals and trails. So um, if your family is looking for maybe, you know, a little bit different kind of state park experience, not quite as rustic. Honey Creek Resort is a great place to go. My summer this summer, I got to dedicate to Nebraska, but next summer I'll dedicate to Iowa. I mean, I think every weekend we could be visiting a different park and I just love the opportunities and the diversity of it. I mean, it's either what's your feel on that coming weekend or, you know, is the family wanting to go a little more rustic, rugged, or all out, I'm just taking the girls and going to central Iowa to this golf course, to the park where it's all provided for me. Uh, a lot of opportunities there that's so exciting. So Jessica and Julie, thank you so much for sharing a little glimpse of Iowa State Parks on this part three of our series. You know, as we close, do you have any parting thoughts you'd like to share with our listeners? I would just say as far as um, things for people to think about, we want, we are so excited to welcome you to Iowa State Parks. Um, if you could help us take care of the parks when you visit, that would be awesome. Um, we found that people are kind of loving our parks a lot. <laughs> and so part of showing that love is to do things like carry out your trash, stay on the trails when you visit. Sounds like a little thing, but the trails are there for a reason. And part of it is to protect the ecology and, and it helps prevent erosion and that kind of thing. If you can stay on the paths that have been designated. One big thing is if you bring your pets, we love dogs. We absolutely, we have dogs, we love them but please keep them on their leash and keep them off of the beaches. People don't really like to have, uh, have to worry about a stray dog on a beach when they have little kids around. Just kind of be respectful and think about the other people that in your space. And then also just um, if you visit one of our beaches, which is again, a great summer thing to do with your family, we would just suggest 
please um, no glass containers, uh, carry out your trash and just take care of one another. So be sure and um, look and see if anybody, see a little kid that is getting a little too close to, you know, taking care of each other and being vigilant when you're on those beaches. We also recommend if you have really little kids, put a life jacket on them when they're at the, when they're at the beach, just for extra safety. Please drive slowly through the parks when you're there. You never know when you're going to come around a corner and there'll be a, a child on a bike taking care of each other. And if you see anything that is concerning to you, say something. We have park seasonal staff and park managers and rangers throughout the park. And we want to help keep everybody safe and have a great time when they're in the park. We're all in this together as far as those visits. And um, we, we just appreciate everything that we all do to take care of those special places. Yeah, other, other than what Julie has mentioned, um, just kind of wanted to also highlight, we have a, a closures and alert page that we keep up to date. Um, so if you're going to go and visit a state park, check out that state park closures and alerts page, and that's going to tell you anything that we want you to be aware of, whether it's the park is closed for renovation or the water is on for the season, those kinds of things we post on this closures and alerts. Um, so check that out before you come out to the, out to the parks, but we, we want you to come out and see all of the parks that we have to offer. And it's, it's a great place to, to take time and make memories that are going to last a lifetime. To echo Julia's words, Jessica, Julie, thank you so much for joining us. Iowa really has, is just truly lucky to have such amazing state parks. We are lucky enough to, for the most part, you can drive right on through your park. So you can include it on any adventure that you're on this summer. So with that, as Julie mentioned, slow down, take in the sights, enjoy the scenery, maybe spend that time through the park is where you're, it's not where you're going to save time on your trip, right? Embrace it, enjoy it, and then make up time on the highway out of the state park. So um, we hope you all get out and enjoy them and explore, share photos, use the at Iowa DNR when you're out at the state parks, use your hashtags so we can see your photos on our websites. Um, it's pretty awesome. As you explore the iowadnr.gov website, you'll see different users and in, in their photos while they're out exploring. So what an awesome thing to, to see your photo there. I've learned so much. I'm excited to go see some of the parks that I have explored, but really to get out and see the other. With 72 parks and forests, in Iowa to explore. I mean, we only have 52 weekends in a year, so challenge accepted. To our listeners, get out there, enjoy, and, and share with us. We will have links in our show notes, so go explore. Um, and as always, don't forget don't forget to connect with us on Facebook at the She Goes Outdoors. Be sure to share us with your friends, like, subscribe, and rate our podcasts, and get updates on future episodes. Uh, if there's any other topics you want us to cover, let us know. Keep sharing your awesome photos and videos with us. As always, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you outdoors. Outdoors.